Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Scry. If you notice that the audio quality in this episode is different from the norm, that is because this episode is being recorded at the one and only Crescent Hotel, reputed to be the most haunted hotel in America. So what is it that makes this hotel as haunted as it is claimed? I'm not going to go into a deep dive on the history of the place, as that could fill multiple episodes, but I will tell you a condensed version. Built in the Ozark Mountain town of Excelsior Springs, the Crescent Hotel was built in 1886 and became a popular stay for guests from across the United States, as the hotel featured immaculate accommodations for those who came to the area for the reputed healing factors of the area's natural springs. However, before the hotel's construction had been completed, it would see its first death. There was a young man that was employed in the construction of the hotel named Michael, who saw an attractive woman through a window. Trying to be the smooth Mac Daddy that he believed himself to be, he went to call out to the young lady and fell from the window that he was leaning out of. Michael would be only the first death in this hotel, and it is claimed that his spirit remains, haunting those who stay in the room that he fell from, especially if they are female. After being open just a few short years, the Crescent fell into financial despair and became known as the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. In this role, the Crescent would see another death, when a young woman was either pushed or fell from a top floor window, plummeting to her death. The Crescent would then become a junior college, then a hotel again, never bringing success to the owners of the building. It would be in the 1930s, however, that the Crescent Hotel would gain notoriety. Purchased by Norman Baker, a self-professed doctor with no medical training, in 1937, the Crescent became Baker's self-styled hospital, where he claimed that he was able to cure cancer. Having already been run out of Iowa for practicing medicine without a license, Baker would continue his false attempts at curing the ill here in Eureka Springs, attracting patients from across the country. Baker was nothing more than a vicious fraud and a cruel and greedy con man, and his fraudulent cure and denial of proper medical care led to the deaths of at least 44 people, though it is claimed by some that that number likely reaches into the hundreds. Baker would eventually attract too much attention and would end up arrested after a standoff with the FBI for mail fraud. The Crescent would sit abandoned for a decade before burning down, only to rise from its ashes like the proverbial phoenix in 1997 when it was painstakingly rebuilt and restored to its original grand design. It is claimed that many ghosts, such as Michael, Norman Baker, his nurses, and the patients who died here still remain, and hopefully in our stay here, we will see some evidence of this. Now, however, we'll take a break away from the Crescent and listen to a story shared by Jet55, in which he encountered something after moving into a new apartment as a teenager. 
When I was 19 or so, a friend and I rented the attic apartment in an old house built in the 1800s. It had a separate entrance, one long flight of stairs up to the apartment. The house was two stories, so the stairs were kind of long. A few weeks after moving in, we're sitting in the living room watching TV, and both of us hear someone coming up the stairs. Figuring it's just another buddy, we wait to see who walks in. After a few minutes of waiting, there's no knock. Nobody comes in. I'm like, what the fuck? And go open the door. There's nobody there. We both heard it. After a few more weeks, I get tired of closing the door in my room that goes into the storage area in the eaves. Just about every morning, the damn door is open when I get up letting that cold New England air in. Finally, I put a clothes hamper in front of the door. The next day, I wake up and the hamper is moved. The door is open. Pretty much, whatever I put in front of the door gets moved and the door is open in the morning. My roommate accused me of swiping some change off his dresser. Nope, not me. I notice shit like my stuff gets moved around. Little stuff goes missing. Sometimes it reappears. Sometimes it stays gone. I figure my roommate is going through my shit. Finally, after months of hearing footsteps coming up the stairs, the door opening in my room and shit moving around, I ask the landlord if there's anything funny about the house. He starts to tell me how his young daughters used to play up in our apartment. They'd have tea parties in my room. He'd hear them playing and talking, but when he went up there, the door to the eaves would always be open. He asked them why, and they said, That's where Rodney lives. He didn't think too much about it and figured they had an imaginary friend. Until that summer, when he was cutting the grass. As he's cutting the grass, he always went around the gravestone out in the corner of the yard. It was the grave of the guy that built the house in the 1800s. But as he went by this time, he noticed the name on the grave. The man buried there was named Rodney. We saw him once. We had a party and after everyone left, we were standing there talking and both of us saw something out of the window from the corner of our eyes. Both of us looked at the same time. I ran over expecting to see some dumbass on the fire ladder looking in. There was nobody there at the third floor window. I reckon it was Rodney. I still think about that 30 years later.
Jet 55, thank you for sharing that story. I have to say, if I ever become a ghost, I hope a couple little kids invite me over for a tea party. That'd be pretty nice. Before jumping into our next tale, we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll return with a Ouija session conducted by my wife and I in the Crescent Hotel. We are divided, now more than ever. We separate ourselves based on politics, race, age, favorite sports teams, religion, and even what fandoms we subscribe to. But there is one thing that we all have in common, death. You're gonna die, I'm gonna die. We're all gonna die. Coffin Cast seeks to shine a light on the thing that unites us all with a mix of true crime, strange death stories, and a little education mixed in. So when you find yourself at odds with someone, just remember, they are going to die too. Welcome back to Scry. On our first night at the Crescent Hotel, my wife knew very little of the historic building's past, and I only knew a brief overview myself, expanding that knowledge just slightly to provide the brief overview that I presented at the beginning of this episode. It was with this small amount of knowledge that my wife and I sat down with a Ouija board to see if we could make any contact with the spirits said to still reside in this hotel. Is there anybody here? Are you doing that? Mm-mm. I, like, barely have my fingers on there. Is there anybody here? Put your fingers on Hmm? Put your fingers on They're barely on it. Mine are too. Like, not even touching it. See? Is there anybody there? It seriously just moved. Like, I ha- barely had my fingers on there. Is there anybody there? Yes. You have to be doing that. I swear, I'm <laughs> not. I'm barely even touching that. What is your name? What is your name? Helen? Who's Helen? Did you die here? Yes. Is this for real? How did you die? Oh? Where did you fall? 
window. What room number were you in? Do you know what room it would be today? Yes. What room would it be today? 403? You're so doing this. <laughs> Okay. How old were you when you died? 20. I'm sorry. Was your fall an accident? Was it on purpose? Said no, accident. Yes. On purpose. Knock the microphone over, Helen. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so your fall wasn't an accident. Were you pushed? Did you jump? There's no to being pushed, yes to jumping. Why? Why did you kill yourself? J. D. I. D. H. E. H. N. I'm not sure what that means. Is that a person? Was that a person? Yes. Were you sad? Were you angry? It says no to being sad. Yes to being angry. Are you still angry? And it's not moving and staying on yes. Are you still angry? Still staying on yes without moving. Is there anything we can do to help you? No. Sorry. Do you know you're dead? Yes. What year did you die? 1920? Yes. Wow. Can you do anything in this room to give us a sign you're here? No. Could I take your picture? It still says no. It's not moving. Can Stacy take your picture? Still says no. Where are you at right now in this room? Four uh, now or five, five now? Five now? Five now? 
Do you know of other spirits in the hotel? Yes. How many other spirits are in the hotel? How many other spirits are there? Too many to count. One? <laughs> no. Just one that we're talking to? Yes. Do you interact with any other deceased on the property? No. Are you hostile? No. That's good. Are you glad that the hotel was rebuilt? No. Do you like having all these people stay here all the time? No. Do you wish it was just, like, nobody here? Yes. Are you mad that we're here tonight? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, do you want us to leave? Yes. <laughs> do you have a favorite room that you like to stay in? Yes. What room do you like to stay in? No. You won't tell us? No. Should we leave you alone? Yes. Goodbye. So what do you all think about that Ouija session? Now this session was conducted before my wife and I had more than a basic understanding of the events that have transpired here. Perhaps Helen was the spirit mentioned earlier who jumped to her death. As for me, I'm still unconvinced on whether spirit boards are real or not. And I should mention that my wife and I were in room 321 which is on the third floor and shares a wall with that floor's balcony. I mention that because it may be of some importance, which we would find out about later. And now it's time to move on to our next tale of the episode. Shared by Tango7. My wife and I were looking at a house. There was one that was way overpriced as it needed a bunch of work. It was a big single family that had been split up into two units in the 60s and had been vacant for some time. Cheesy carpet, bad chrome appliances, the works. Add that to cracks in the wall and needing lots of remodeling and a roof and it wasn't going to happen stepping inside the house just felt unsettled as we were walking around it just felt odd 
the best way I can describe it is when you're a kid sneaking into somewhere you're not supposed to go. As we toured the first floor, I got the distinct mental image in one of the rooms of a little girl, about eight to ten, reading a school book. My wife says that while she was walking through the area, she caught out of the corner of her eye a glimpse of a little girl reading a book. Now mind you, we didn't compare notes until we were in the car later. After we looked at the basement, which was cluttered with a broken bar and furniture, we headed back upstairs. At this point, my wife starts acting weird. She came close and whispered to me that we were done. I asked her if she was getting a vibe as well. She told me she saw an older black man standing about eight feet away in the living room who was very large, about six and a half feet tall, and very upset that strangers were wandering through his house. By this time, when the realtor asked if we wanted to see the upstairs, we told him we weren't interested. As we were walking back out the front door, I stopped by a door that was under the stairs leading to the second floor, the usual spot for a closet. For some reason, I asked, what's in there? The realtor said, I don't know, let's see, and opened the door. It was a closet, maybe four foot by three foot, that occupied the underside of the stairs. The difference was someone had lined the inside walls and floor with multiple layers of blue moving blankets and removed the handle from the inside. The realtor kind of stepped back and said, okay, and closed the door. As we were leaving, the wife and I glanced back at the house. She said later, she saw the old man staring out the front window at us, mad as hell. I could swear that I caught a glimpse of the top of a little girl's head disappearing in the attic window, like when a child ducks down while playing hide and seek. Tango 7, thank you for sharing your encounter. I do have some friends in the podcasting community, and I happen to notice that a closet full of moving blankets may be the spirit that you encountered of the old man was the spirit of a podcaster, and you found his recording studio. Maybe that's why he was upset. You interfered with his recording. On to a more serious note, however, we're going to jump to some audio from the ghost tour.
I'm going to tell you guys about the balconies on the opposite side. So the ones that face out to the garden, we have a reoccurring haunting that takes place on that third floor balcony. And sometimes between 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, people will look up at the back of the hotel and they'll notice a woman dressed entirely in white standing on that balcony. Now, typically it's a bride because we have so many weddings here, but sometimes it's the girl in the mist. We call her the girl in the mist because she stands there for just a moment and then she falls over the railing landing in the garden. And when she does this, she's enshrouded in a white mist. Some people have actually noticed the dark shadow of a gentleman standing behind her. So they say that once she hits the ground, he backs away and disappears. So there's a very old urban legend that circulates around Eureka that during the Crescent College days, one of our students fell to her death from that third floor balcony. Now we have poured over official records, police things, uh, newspapers, school records, uh, diaries, yearbooks, all this stuff. We don't have any record of this ever having happened, but the people that retell this story who've lived in this town for generation after generation say that that woman was most likely pregnant at the time of her death. So this makes a little more sense because for her to have been pregnant and unmarried at an all-girls school around World War I, would have been a huge scandal for her wealthy family, and honestly, nothing the college would have been excited to have get out either. So we believe that if this was a cover-up, it was probably fairly well agreed upon by both sides. So definitely see if you guys can catch a glimpse of her while you're here. So we played a little game last night, mm -hmm. and I'm still not 100% and believe that it wasn't him. It wasn't me, I'm talking about. So we played a this Ouija, is a common <laughs> Ouija board last uh -huh. night, and we had a spirit, you know, talking to us, mm -hmm. and her name was Helen. Okay. She was 20 years old. She died in 1920, and she fell out out of the window. So that could quite possibly be, be our lady. About. One of our historians, it's her passion project, and that area that we were in when we first started, before all this craziness started, mm -hmm. that was uh, a museum that people could come in during the day, but we're trying to keep it clean as possible to be able to start the ghost tours in there so we don't have it open right now. All that information in there that she's collected and displayed beautifully, it's because she was trying to find out who the girl in the mist is. Yeah. It's like as well, she was digging into the story, all that stuff started to come out. Our next story was submitted by Reggie P, in which he describes why he hates mirrors. Let's listen to his tale. I know a lot of your listeners may claim that I am full of shit, but I want to tell you why I hate mirrors. Growing up, my grandparents lived in another state halfway across the country, so visiting them at their house was always rare. Every summer, though, my parents would send me to stay with them for two weeks. For as long as I could remember, my grandparents' home 
always gave me the creeps. There was just something off about it that I could never quite put my finger on. The house always seemed heavy, if that makes sense. From the moment you entered the home, it seemed like it became harder to breathe somehow. Like going for a jog in a humid environment, you had to work just a little extra for that air to fill your lungs. Your shoulders felt almost as if they were weighted down, and you needed just a bit more effort to walk. And it always felt like you were being watched. Not by my grandparents, but by something else. For years, I chalked this up to it just being the home of two elderly people. Devout Catholics who kept statues of various saints on the shelves throughout their home that caused this unease. And I tried to push the eerie feelings from my mind. For years, I was successful with this, until the summer that I went to visit when I was maybe 13 or 14. I had been at my grandparents for just a couple days, and that weird, familiar feeling had hit the moment that I arrived, just like it always had. I had spent the day watching some old westerns with my grandpa, eating all the food that my grandmother continuously baked and helped him out with some of the household chores. It wasn't a bad time by any means, but I was at that age where I had discovered girls, and being trapped a thousand miles from home and the girl I had a crush on left me in a mental funk. When I decided to call it a night, I lay in bed, thinking about the things that adolescent boys think about when the puberty monster arrives, and falling asleep was difficult because of it. After laying in bed for what felt like hours, I had the need to take a piss. So I got up and stepped into the hallway to make my way to the bathroom. I should have mentioned that between my last visit and this one, my grandparents had done some remodeling to their house, and their taste in the new decor was pretty lacking. There was once a time when mirrors that had a fake marble print on them were all the rage. The gold marbling effect on the mirrors looked tacky to me then, and I still cringe thinking about them now. But my grandparents loved them, and they decorated the entire hallway from floor to ceiling with this tasteless facade. I made my way down the dimly lit hallway, illuminated only from a small nightlight in an outlet that my grandparents kept to help them around in the dark of night. With each step, that eerie feeling just seemed to grow stronger. Finally, I made it to the bathroom and did my business. Now, I had to make my way back to my bed in the guest room, and here's where that damn feeling became intense. It was like I was walking in molasses. With every step, it felt harder to walk. I would imagine that this is what quicksand feels like. 
as I made my way slowly down the hall, I began to notice that something wasn't right. I couldn't put my finger on it. Another step. What the hell is wrong? I took another step, and then another, and then realized what was causing such a panic. It was my reflection. It was delayed. Only by a split second, but that delay was there and noticeable. I turned to face myself in this god-awful hallway of mirrors, like a fucking funhouse minus the fun, and watched as my reflection turned to face me. My mirror image looked like me, only pale, like it hadn't seen the sun in ages. There were dark bags under its eyes, and it looked tired or dead. As my reflection and I are staring at each other, I see his breathing become erratic and shaky. What little light there was in the hallway seemed to darken, until I realized that the darkness had a shape, that of a tall man, one that was solid black. It placed a hand on my reflection's shoulder, and my reflection's jaw slowly dropped. Dark bile began to drip from its mouth, and its eyes either grew pale or rolled back. I'm not sure which. I just remember them looking white. Thank God I had just pissed or I'd be standing in a puddle of it and having to explain this to my grandparents in the morning. Another hand appeared on my reflection's other shoulder, and it seemed as if he was growing thinner. I had had enough of this, whatever the fuck I was seeing, and I decided to fuck right off back to the guest room and try to block this from my mind and call it a night. I broke through that molasses feeling and ran like hell back to the bedroom, slamming the door behind me and ensuring that it was shut. I caught my breath and turned on the lamp by the bed. I sure as hell wasn't going to sleep in the dark. If I could sleep. Fuck that. I sat on the bed and looked at the dresser. Which, of course, had a mirror running across the top. And guess what I see? Is it my reflection? No. It's that damn, black, mass of a person, standing there. I couldn't make out any features, but I know it was looking at me. Staring at me. And it hated me. I began to fill with panic and tried to think of a place without a mirror. And then it occurred to me that the closet was my only real available option. It was either that, stay in the room with this shadow thing looking at me, 
or try my chances in the hallway full of mirrors. Shit, the choice was easy, and I jumped in the closet, scared as shit, and trying to keep myself together. I don't know how long I stayed in there, but eventually, I was overcome from exhaustion and fell asleep. I awoke the next morning to the sounds of my grandfather laughing. My grandparents had searched the house for me when they hadn't been able to find me in bed to wake me for breakfast. Grandpa had asked if I got spooked and let out a little chuckle. If only he knew. I refused to look into a mirror the rest of the time that I was there for my visit and I tried to fall asleep on the couch as much as I could while Grandpa watched Johnny Carson. When I finally got home, I mentioned what happened to my dad. I don't know if he believed me or not. He only replied that weird shit sometimes happened at my grandparents' home, but never said anything more. Between that weird shit and Grandpa asking if I got spooked, I wonder what they knew about that house. But then again, I don't want to know also. Fuck that house. I loved my grandparents very much, but my sentiment remains. Fuck that house. Fuck the land it sits on. And fuck those goddamn mirrors. Reggie P, that is certainly a pant-shitting experience. At least, it would have been for me. And I can't really say that I blame you for not liking mirrors. And that's coming from someone who stares into the obsidian mirror. But now, it's time to once again close the gate and banish back all things dark. If you have an encounter that you would like to share, you can submit it at scrypod.com or email it to us at scrypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 573-203-8668. We're dying to hear your tale, so help us share the scare. Special thanks go out to Shadow Vibe and Mew for the music that appears in this episode, courtesy of a Creative Commons license. And check out the show notes to links to these great artists. I would also like to thank our friends at Real Life Ghost Stories for the recommendation on their last episode. Be sure to check them out if you haven't already. They consistently put out a fantastic and entertaining show. And speaking of the fantastic and entertaining, check out our podcast recommendation for this episode, CoffinCast. Hosted by the wonderfully talented Kristen, you will learn about death through multiple lenses in an entertaining manner. And damn it, it's just a great show. So check out CoffinCast. I also want to say that we'll be having a get vocal get together with It's Haunted What Now and Hollyweird Paranormal coming up. That should be at 1230 this coming Saturday. 
So check us out on social media for more information on that. But now, it is once again time to close the gate. And as always, say goodbye. This is Scry. We quit playing. <laughs> <laughs>